The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, Billy, why don't we tell them what we're about, man? So we're here to welcome you to the Madhouse Chronicles. It's a talk show with myself, Billy Morrison. And me, Ozzy Osbourne. This man, Prince of Darkness, and we watch and react to the maddest internet clips. What do we discuss, Ozzy? Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, all that kind of shit. Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, and all that kinds of shit. Come and join Ozzy and myself. Visit OsborneMediaHouse.com to get special access to... Come to, on! What do you say? Do you think it's the wildest show on the internet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. I am, of course, Zach. Sitting across the room from me is the one and only Steven Schleicher. Hello. Hey, Steven. Hey, Zach. Hey, last week we talked about a suspense movie right. called The Invitation. Uh-huh. And you're like, hey, I got a movie for us to watch. Yeah. It's suspenseful. We got yeah. time to kill before Civil War comes out right. next week. Yeah. So we're watching a movie. I think it came out about a year ago. It came out, I want to say, um, in 2014 is when it oh, came okay. out. It didn't arrive on... Um, you know, home video until just last year, I okay. would say, gotcha. is when it hit. Um, but yeah, I can't. And, and they were doing production on this in 2012. Didn't hit the film festival circuit until 2014. Mm-hmm. And it was about a year in the film festival because it was in like 70 different film festivals. Holy moly. And won like half of them or uh, was awarded prizes in about really? half of those. So it's got about 35 prizes under its belt. All right. And uh, this little movie is called Time Lapse. Yes, it is. And if you have any if, any idea what Steven is and who he loves and what he loves, <laughs> you can imagine time is in the movie. He's yep. probably going to watch it. This is not quite a time travel movie, although no. I do put it into the time, kind of the time yeah, travel category. Because yeah. uh, in this film, um, Finn and his uh, girlfriend, uh, Callie, are um, superintend- uh, superintendents at a... Um, uh, Apartment complex, mm-hmm. and we presume in California because that's where it's set at. Uh, and the person across the street or across the um, walkway from them has gone missing. And so they go into his apartment to find out what's going on. And they discover this camera that is taking pictures. What we learn at the beginning is taking pictures at 8 p.m. every night. But the pictures that are coming out are not what's going on at that time. Right. Uh but rather 24 hours in the future. Right. So it becomes this interesting. So they look at this and say, what happens if we use this for gambling? And they have a roommate named, um, what's his face? Jasper. Jasper. Yeah. Jasper, what's his face? <laughs> and uh, he keeps pushing them and say, hey, we can use this to gamble. What I'll do is when it's um, at eight o'clock tonight or tomorrow, mm-hmm. I will post up in the window Um the winning scores. And of course I will get it a day ahead and I'll be able to gamble on these things and do all this stuff. But the, the thing that they quickly find out is they get locked into this idea that they have to do what the pictures are telling them. Right. And that time is a straight line and you can't deviate from that. Or perhaps you will suffer the fate of, uh, their neighbor, Mr. B Right. Who has maybe turned up dead. Right. Because when they go into his apartment and check, they find his journal and he's very concerned about a photo that was spit out. Right. And he's like, I've seen my death. I don't know what's going to happen, but I have to try to avoid it. 
And then when they go down into their neighbor's, um, this doctor's storage locker at the apartment mm-hmm. complex, they open the door, hit with a wave of stench, and find his charred body on the floor, but his mm-hmm. clothes are completely normal. Right. So the, they believe he tried to deviate from what the picture was showing. Mm-hmm. Thus, he was kind of just wiped out from existence. Right. And so they get kind of freaked out, especially right. as the pictures start becoming more and more intense. Um mm-hmm. You've got Jasper who's gambling this stuff. Um, Finn is a aspiring painter. And suddenly the pictures from the future are showing him the picture that he's going to paint. Right. And so he starts painting those things and he starts becoming driven by this notion that he's going to paint something every day. And so he needs to see those pictures. And Jasper wants to win. And Callie just – I don't know what Callie's problem is uh, right. initially. And that's how the viewer sees it. We don't know what's going on initially. And then they start to get some disturbing things like – Finn paints a skull and crossbone. And then the next day they see that, oh, my gosh, the bookie that uh, Jasper's been doing all his bets through Mm -hmm. is going to show up. And then there's blood on the window. And then, you know, things they get very nervous and freaked out about this. And then they see one where uh, Finn or I'm sorry, Callie and Jasper are kissing in one of the pictures. And Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, well, I mean. Maybe we're just posing. So let's pretend. So there's this big jealousy triangle that gets set Mm -hmm. up and then. Uh, Jasper becomes more agitated and starts threatening everybody. They kill the the uh, the bookie and right. a bunch of you know a bunch of weird stuff goes on. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, I mean, it gets it kind of sounds fairly innocent. Like, oh, we're gonna use this to make money and I'll be a painter, and then right. it quickly escalates into a lot of dead people. It, very quickly, it does. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in, in this film, this is the amazing thing about this movie is it's 104 minutes, and in that 104 minutes, there are. Six deaths, six, yeah. At least six deaths in this in this uh, in this time frame. Yeah. It's an amazing body count yeah. <laughs> for this film. That is just a simple thriller involving yeah. some kind of time manipulation. It's not, it's not set up as like a gangster film where people should normally die. It's right, like this right. time travel movie, and that's like what a body every fifteen minutes or something. Yeah, yeah. The most disturbing picture comes up at, at the uh, near the climax of the movie, where the photo shows Callie and Jasper having sex in the window, right, and uh, Finn, a, you know, like supposedly asleep, on the, asleep on the couch. Yeah. And this really sits everybody off mm-hmm. because Finn just wants to get out with Callie. Uh, Jasper wants to make sure that everybody sticks around because it ensures that they'll always live, providing that they're always in the photos together. One thing comes to another and uh, uh, Finn or Jasper tries to kill Finn. Callie whacks him upside the head and kills yeah. him instead. And then it all goes to hell because... The twist wow. of this movie yeah. is that the camera has the ability to take pictures at any point in the future, providing you know how the camera works. Mm-hmm. And supposedly only Mr. B knows that it works because that's where they've um, a colleague of his comes looking for him and shows a picture that's supposed to have taken two weeks from the time it was happening. But right. by the time that she gets the letter and comes to see him, it's going to happen in the next day. Mm-hmm. And then it's revealed that, oh, no, the camera isn't taking pictures only at 8 p.m. It's taking pictures at 8 a.m. as well. And Callie is the first one to discover this. So secretly, she's been getting up every morning and leaving notes to herself from the future of what she's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And it just goes to crap. Yeah. And she believes she literally believes that she can change the timeline. Right. That's the big crux of we hit on it earlier where. Their big thing is you can't change time. Don't right. don't mess with time. Don't mess it up. Mm-hmm. Um, keep it going. We have to be in these photos, like mm-hmm. it shows. And then Callie's big thing is we can. I'm changing time. I'm. She believes she, believes she, she is. Because she believes she is changing the. 
past. Yeah, she's changing the past yeah. from the future. Right. Right. She, so the picture that she takes right now, herself 24 hours ago, will see, we'll see it, it and then make the necessary corrections and adjustments. And there's two pictures that happen at the at the end of the film that we see where there is blood on the window and the painting that is supposed to be painted. And then there's another picture that is that they find, right. which is the same painting, but no blood on the window, but a crime scene is there. Mm-hmm. And so they think that they've actually changed the future. What they've forgotten, though, in the course of this movie is that the picture that she's that has the blood on the window is the picture from the morning. And right. the picture that has the crime scene tape is the one from the evening. Mm-hmm. And so even she gets confused to the point where she thinks that if she just stops her boyfriend by shooting him and killing yeah, him Dallas. that she can send that <laughs> message back to herself and prevent all of this from happening and no one will be the wiser except that's not the case well especially because she really has no proof she's actually changing anything. right she has right. no proof she's just thinking oh i'm getting these messages i'm she doesn't think i'm actually just continuing down the mm-hmm. same path she thinks that if she does these things she's making it better or right. some right. whatever's in her head that's kind of what she's yeah, thinking yeah. and it comes really weird at the end because she puts up a sign at the right before the 8 a.m shoot that's supposed to go off that says you know don't get caught at the window right and of course a policeman friend of theirs walks by and is like i need to ask you about this and he walks in and sees all the dead bodies and as he's dragging her away the picture the the sign falls off the window right and so literally she has not changed the future. This is what was going to happen all the time. And so it really becomes mm-hmm. this weird mind game for both the people in the story as well as the viewer to figure out was she really changing destiny or right. was this stuff predestined all along? Right. And no matter what had happened, this would have been the end game. And we see that in this proof. I really liked that ending with the don't get caught at the window because it worked twice. Because when she was telling Finn, right. I need to write a sign to don't get caught at the window, she was saying, you caught me putting mm-hmm. a message up to the mm-hmm. past. And that was the 8 a.m. So mm-hmm. I cannot get caught at the window. Mm-hmm. But then she literally gets caught at the window by the police officer. I'm like, oh, she doesn't care about Finn. Right. She wants to make sure she can get away with this. So it was like, it yeah. worked in like in a weird double way. Yeah. And then they of. both failed. <laughs> and it's really, it's fascinating. This movie has so much subliminal text going on mm-hmm. uh, that gives you clues. Uh, you know, the problem with a lot of these that have this twist ending is too often you look at this movie and you, you go back and say, well, where were all these clues that this twist ending was coming? Right. And you may not see them and they never are there. But in this one, they hit you over the head multiple times with these clues that, Something bad is going to happen. Where are all the daytime pictures that are right. supposed to be going It comes on? up a couple times. They hit that multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, why suddenly, uh, you know, it asks this question, what came first, the painting or the picture, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what uh, Finn has to deal with. This uh, mystery of, well, if I was always destined to paint this final picture, I haven't changed the future. And, and it just, there's a right. lot of stuff throughout this movie that really gives subtle hints. And if you really watch Callie, uh, played by uh, Daniel Panabaker from the TV series Flash, if you watch her performance carefully, her performance is giving you clues as to what's going on all the way through. Like the first time that he sees her up early in the morning sitting in front of the window. Mm-hmm. Oh, what are you doing up so early? Uh, the fact that we find out that uh, Jasper and Callie have been having this affair on the side. Uh, at very convenient times, uh, the picture of them in the window was actually yeah. taken like uh, weeks, weeks before, before. Yeah. when he had passed out after a party and mm-hmm. they decided to have sex in front of the window. And so it's just really, really weird how well this has been set up. Yeah, it was There's <laughs> like a bunch of weird takeaways I took from this movie, which one was like, uh, get up early. 
you have a better advantage at life if you just get up a little bit earlier. Okay, what else? But I also thought is because like they had to set it at an early enough hour where mm-hmm. these two party dudes would never be up. Right. But if you really think about, about like all the party scenes, like eight o'clock, like you guys passed out drunk at eight o'clock at night. Like what in the world were you doing? Maybe. I guess. But I was just like, you guys were doing a lot of yeah, like yeah. hard partying at eight. Well, well, it was just like they had to set up that weird time true, frame. It had to the, be at a nice balance. The other thing that we find out is that and we find out this from the uh, friend of Mr. B who comes to visit that he has the ability to set this right. to any time. That's how he found out that something bad might happen to him right. two weeks from now. Mm-hmm. But somehow he has reset it to the eight o'clock, mm-hmm. eight, 8 a.m., 8 p.m. thing. That's the one thing that we don't know. And what's really fascinating in this movie is Mr. B is played by John Reese Davies and his performance is totally cut from the movie. Oh, yeah, because he's never in there. He's never in there. He's in yeah. the photographs, which is why he gets credit. Right. But there's uh, this whole big scene where he goes and explains what's going on, where he's actually writing the letter to his oh, colleague. Okay. And we have a voiceover and we see him in his lab working on stuff and doing on stuff. All that was cut from the movie. Oh, that was a good choice. I feel like that was really. I think it was, yeah, was really too. Smart choice. I think it was too. Because um, it kind of gives this weird, mysterious vibe to this dude mm-hmm. where you only see him like black charred body yeah, and yeah. in two or three photos holding yeah, yeah. some signs and it kind of gives this weird mystery. I think it'd be really weird if you saw him tinker around with this giant camera because it's not like a normal no, camera. No, it's, it's, it's a, a room like a size. It's like an engine. Camera. It's like, yeah. a, it's like a, a tractor engine. Yeah, is what it's it looks huge. Like. Um, but it looked like, I watched some behind the scenes stuff. It looked like it's made out of just cardboard and a couple of one by fours. Oh, really? I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. Like, that would be like a massive, or it's like, surely it's not digital because they're no, 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 interacting it's, with it. No, it it's, had to be something. But it's that would like be cardboard, massive. cardboard and uh, uh, plywood and a few, you know, real pieces. Like yeah. the lens is made out of a paint can. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> and then for the photo to spit out, there's actually somebody on the inside just pushing out the photograph. <laughs> This is really so weird. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> you know, the first time I watched this, I was like, yeah, it's it's an interesting movie. It's different. I wasn't really sure about Hannah Baker's performance initially. But when I watched it again, I was like, you know, she's really doing some good stuff in here. And when I watched this again, I just watched it a few hours ago as yeah. of this recording. I was really kind of taken by this movie a lot more than I was the first time. What did you, you th- what you, is your reaction? You know, I, I kind of like... With the invitation, mm-hmm. um, and this, I think I got lulled into the acting because I think when I first watched the invitation, I'm like this is this seems really stiff, right, right, and right. go, and I think, um, time lapse definitely feels, um, kind of stiff and not the best acted. It's, I mean, it really is like it's not anything to scoff at. Like it's mm-hmm. not horrible. It's not like the top quality acting. And same thing with the cinematography. I don't think it's bad cinematography. It's not. The most extravagant thing. It's pretty no, low key. It's but it I has think, to be because yeah, they're they're confined to we're kind of confined to a very small space. And, um, they're confined to Mr. B's yeah, lab it's area. Like three sets. Uh, they're uh, their main living room and the kitchen, and then a couple of bedroom scenes. Yeah, that's, that's about it. I'll tell you more about that. Yeah, uh, in a little um, bit. But I think what these last two movies we talked about, I think, is a testament to a strength of a script and editing. Mm-hmm. To you, kind of get there, and then you kind of look past it mm-hmm. essentially or it just becomes so they're just speaking the script right and acting it as such a strong written piece mm-hmm. that um it completely carries the film the other thing that i noticed too in both these films is maybe it seems stiff because 
these films are intentionally slow burns to the climax, to yeah. the point where you realize, holy crap, this is what's going on. Whether it be the invitation where suddenly all hell breaks loose, yeah. and then they realize at the end that it wasn't just an isolated event, or this one where it's this slow, complex build up to, okay, we're having our normal lives, a relationship is falling apart, uh, some jealousy is starting to arise, and then things started getting more and more complex, and they're trying to figure out, you know, are they being manipulated or is mm-hmm. this stuff that was naturally going to happen until you finally get to the end and boom, it's like, holy cow. Man. Right. So I think that that I don't know if it, I, I think that's a testament to actually the acting. And again, the second time that I watched this, I was I was I like the acting much more the second time that I mm-hmm. watched this than the first. But I think it's intentional with maybe this genre that we have that slow plotting. Yeah. Piece because if you think about it, things start to build up and get faster and faster yeah, and faster true. as you go along. Yeah, it could just be the slowness of the pace. Because mm-hmm. I remember I started watching Invitation again, and I never was thrown off by the acting. It just mm-hmm. felt right. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if mm-hmm. I want back and watch this again. Yeah, maybe. It'd feel the same. Maybe. Um, I want to, now that I think about how quick the turns were in the Invitation, and then really, where would you put the big turn for time lapse? Would you put it at Callie's big reveal, like when he walks into the kitchen or catches her at the window? Because I feel like that's when it like it really gets really nuts. Oh, when it starts to really go crazy? Yeah, I think it, I think it really starts to go into a crazy... I think the big turn where you start to go into Crazyville is the minute that it's revealed that... Um, not that the um, not that the bookie is going to... Is, is coming, because that pays yeah. off kind of mildly. But the reveal that she's doing a nude painting with her boyfriend... And they think that Jasper's looking through the window and that yeah. causes this big rift between them to where the bookie and his his thug show up. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that it was the bookie's profile, not Jasper's profile. Right, and right. that's when things get crazy, because at that point, Jasper has planned that he's going to kill this guy no matter yeah. what, that he's got to protect himself. And I think at that point, that's where things really start to get heated and intense because after they kill the bookie and they and the thug and they they hide the bodies then there comes up this notion of well we're getting out of here and jasper not wanting them to mm-hmm. get out of here and oh by the way i'm banging your girlfriend and just this jasper's desire to control everything to where he is willing to kill people in the process to do it and and callie thinking that she's manipulating everything right i think that's the point where the movie and it's really in the last uh, that's about the last 20 30, minutes of the yeah, movie right there. when things go crazy yeah because i want to line up where those big turns are between these two movies because mm-hmm. now I think about it, they feel pretty similarly distanced mm-hmm. from the end. Well, if you think about their their plots, and especially as we're looking at time lapse, it starts out very mundane. Here are mm-hmm. some mundane people with their mundane life. He's the super or the the complex manager and he's yeah. going around and plunging toilets. He's a struggling artist. His girlfriend who he's supposed to be in a committed relationship with and maybe potentially wants to marry. She's waitressing all day, and you can tell that maybe there's some some angst or some struggle between the two of them because they're both disconnected. They're mm-hmm. probably struggling for money, which is why they had to bring in Jasper as a roommate, as a friend. Mm-hmm. He's peddling drugs, and, and they're having parties, and it's just very boring, and their lives are very boring. And then they meet this piece of technology, and things get interesting. What could we do with it? What might we be able to do with it? And Holy they don't crap, even these do things. that much. No. If you think about it, no, they but really, very, very tame. But think about that. Very quickly, though, they're like, oh, now suddenly this is real, and this stuff really is working. This feels kind of spooky. Yeah. And and it really becomes, are we being led to, and it, that's where it really becomes um, this inner struggle between all the characters and the scary part of this machine is, 
are we being led to this or are we simply doing what the machine is is telling us is going to happen and right. therefore we're becoming this uh, self-fulfilled prophecy and then suddenly the paranoia sinks in on Jasper's part and that's where it all unravels yeah and then just speeds up from there so you can find really about five distinct points up to the point where uh, Jasper goes nuts mm-hmm. and I, I think that's how it plots out if if you were in their situation and you're trying to figure out um are we still living our lives or are we just basing them off for the photo? Would you abstain from looking at what it spit out for an entire day? I don't think you and could. Just, and just go about and then after the whole day's over, go back, look at the photo and see if it was still happening. I don't like, know if you could. Could you? I, mean, I don't know. It becomes that big temptation, right? It yeah. becomes that, that curiosity killed the cat, literally in this case, yeah. where, you know, you're going to see this photo and even even if it turned out that you didn't look at it for a day and then you looked at it and saw it, would you still be like, holy crap, doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It doesn't matter if I look at this or not. Um, I think that if you did put that in and they didn't look at it for a day, um, that would that would submit that they could choose their own destiny, which is right. not the point of this movie. No. The reason why they can skip over that part is because when they go into Mr. B's um, office lab area in his apartment – the wall is just covered with like 400 photographs mm-hmm. that have been taken at day and night, day and night at these same intervals. So they know that these things have happened. They can go and say, oh, well, there's where I was working out. Here's where we had this party. Here right. are all these things. And if we know that it's supposedly taking stuff in the future, we know these things happened. Mm-hmm. So they almost don't have that. That's kind of a way they can skip over the, well, let's not look at it for a day and then move past it. But I don't think each of these characters have the ability to pass up that temptation. Do you, Especially, I mean, and, and they set it Finn. up perfectly. They set it up perfectly for Finn because yeah. suddenly he's like, oh, here's this picture from the future. And oh my gosh, there's a painting that I'm going to paint. And I've been struggling for weeks right. to, to try to paint. And now I can go in here and paint exactly what I paint or what's photographed of me painting. So he becomes obsessed with, I have to look at it because mm-hmm. it means I can paint and create. And so he distances himself from his relationship, his friend and everything. He doesn't care that his his friend and his girlfriend are making out as long as he can paint that picture. Right, and it's very, and that's a very big point of his character development because he never really paints anything before mm-hmm. the camera. And then once the photos stop showing completed paintings and just goes mm-hmm. to the crossbones and stuff, mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't paint anything that whole day right. until the crossbones. And then after that, he doesn't paint anything besides the, the mm-hmm. coil. Mm-hmm. Um, so his paintings are like nothing. Like, you don't yeah. ever see him paint anything besides what's in the paint uh, the photos. I think the scary thing about just looking at the photos, which is I, I would probably end up looking, I think. I probably would too. But I think it, it brings up that question is that predestination, whether mm-hmm. you have whether you have free will or not. And that's something that we all struggle with, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we all sit there and say, well, I have free will. I can do whatever I want. But can you? Do you mm-hmm. think that that decision you made really is your own free will? Or was that something that was destined to already happen? Mm-hmm. And this goes back, I mean, thousands of years. You go back and look at the ancient Greeks with the um, uh, the Wicked Sisters or the the Fates, where the fates have, here's somebody that's controlling the fate at the beginning of your life, the fate at the end of your life, and the person who's snipping it at the end of your life. And everybody's just traveling on this same string. There's no deviation from that string. These things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of free will and predestination have been around for centuries. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard to get past this idea of I can choose my own destiny without having the universe explode like we saw in uh, Back to the Future 2 <laughs> where they went into an alternate timeline and everything was wacky. And that's I think that's what makes these kinds of movies fun because it does make you question that 
that conflict between free will and predestination. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you think they could do a story like this if they really bloated the budget? Do you think a small budget like this keeps concepts like that front and center without deviating, but too much into like special effects or just really time wonkiness? Because I know the director talked about how um, bolting the camera down and making mm-hmm. it huge mm-hmm. was a big decision plot wise and budget wise because if it was mobile mm-hmm. well then they could just go out in the world and then right. there's like mo- more more sets and everything right. but then it it changes it because then it seems too big mm-hmm. but keeping this budget small seems like you can really just focus in on this question of can you change time is time always constant or can you just kind of deviate in and right. out of it I think it's interesting because the the budget was so small they were forced to keep it confined to a small location mm-hmm. to keeping this machine bolted to the floor yeah. Which increased this feeling of paranoia and and constraint and this desire to bust out of that there because Finn and Callie want to just run away, Mm -hmm. just get away from it all, just go someplace. They just want to get out. Uh, Jasper thinks that winning this money is going to take him somewhere better. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. It keeps them confined to this apartment where they're basically prisoners. And so it it really becomes creepy and oppressive. And I don't know if a bigger budget would have done anything different to this movie because it is a it, I mean, uh, we've looked at I mean, it's a big set, but we've looked at Rear Window, which is basically confined to we're in the main character's right. apartment. But then we're able to see out through everyone else's window, but only from that one perspective. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably a big budget. This one is small because. They don't have a lot of money. Right. And I don't and I think if they were able to move to different places or have different locations, you wouldn't have this the audience wouldn't have this feeling of claustrophobia and this desire to also want to get out of mm-hmm. uh, of this this space, get yeah. out of this experience. Because when you think about it, the, the only times that they go outside of this area is the time that we see Callie driving her uh, driving Mr. B's car away. And then the time when Finn and Callie go sit in the car because there's a picture that they receive that has Jasper and uh, the bookie right. sitting together. And they're like, well, we're not here. So I'm going to go somewhere is what Finn says. I'm getting out of here. I'll come back later. And they both get in the car and she's like, OK, so where are we going? And he goes, nowhere. Right. Even to the point where when the um, security, the complex security guard comes in to turn in his keys, mm-hmm. that's held in a fence. It's yeah. held between a closed off fence. So. He can, uh, Finn can't even get out of the place where he is confined to because that gate mm-hmm. is preventing him. And so all of the action, even though there is some stuff that takes takes place outside for the characters, they're trapped in this space. Mm-hmm. And it's really it really is kind of weird when you start thinking about those kinds of things. And, yeah. and with more money, what could they have done? They could have maybe gotten some some different actors. The location that and here's the interesting thing about this location this location is was an abandoned complex and had been abandoned for about oh, really? five years. So this was uh, this was shot in like 2012 uh, when they started principal photography, and it was an abandoned complex that literally days from the day that they found it, it was going to be completely demolished. So they were lucky to get it lucky to get it locked down and use their meager budget to rent the facility before mm-hmm. it was torn down. And I'm supposed it was torn down afterwards. But then they had to go in because the place was like squatters were there. Yeah. Everything was tagged. They had to go in and paint buildings. They had to go in and, and basically refurbish and, and remodel oh those rooms that we got to see mm-hmm. because they were just destroyed with crap everywhere. You see some of the behind the scenes video and, and pictures. It's just demolished. And so they probably spent a good month just building up the spaces that had been torn down wow. for that. And so that also limited 
the ability of places that they could go in that complex to where mm -hmm. you don't see him going to 50 different complexes because somebody has a problem. Yeah. They're going to essentially the, the main house, Mr. B's place and the storage place. Mm -hmm. And they painted those walls. They painted the doors. They replaced windows, shot it. And then the place was demolished soon after. That's, That's what I, what I take. So even that restriction makes, force them to be confining with the way they tell their story. And, really reinforces the problems that the characters have. Yeah. Uh, I just want to jump back to Rear Window really quick. So I was reading sure. an interview with Bradley King, mm -hmm. and he said Rear Window was one of his influences mm. for this film. Uh, Bradley King is the writer-director of this right. piece. Um, so that, and I was like, oh, that's great to see, because I, I really enjoyed Rear Window. Yeah, yeah. And then thinking about it, I mean, the main character in Rear Window had his leg broken, so he was also completely mm -hmm. confined into one space and just looking out. So there's some definitely some similarities there. Yeah. Um, with the budget, I tried to find it, and the best I could do um, was another interview uh, with King. He didn't give a number. They were asked, like, what was the budget? Was it comparable? They kept bringing up, like, Primer, because Primer was right. made, like, for, like, $30,000. Yeah, yeah. No, this really one would have, cheap. I would imagine this one would have to be more than that, because yeah. you're probably paying cast and crew scale. You, the facility and then just remodeling, remodeling that places would have been, would have been like $10,000 yeah. probably. And so he didn't give a number, but he said they completely personally financed the film because they just saved up money for a few years. And apparently they were ha they had a couple scripts that they were working with, mm -hmm. and then they eventually landed uh, with time-lapse. So that was really interesting. And again, I think reading stories like that should give people that are wanting to do, you know... A potentially a feature length film yeah, yeah. Uh, you know more encouragement that it's possible with the technology and the price points that we're at to make something like this and then have the money to put it out on the film or uh, film festival circuit and mm -hmm. then get it up on iTunes and yeah I think watch that it. where the where this movie is going to make its money is I mean it was never released in the theaters yeah so the only place that you're going to get this is through video home video sales and personally, I think it's really worth checking out. I think there are some other time travel, quote unquote, time travel movies that are better than this. Mm. And I think that there's at least one that I've seen recently that's really kind of worse than this. And it's <laughs> it's one that might be worth checking out for you, Zach, if you want to, because you're talking about a, a different budget. Uh, let me see if I can find it. But um, it's one that they're actually able to have more locations. It's the one that I was talking about where it felt like they were um, making it um, – um, more like Blade Runner. Oh, yeah, I remember you telling me that. And it, it just kind of fails, but you can tell that they had a bigger budget yeah. uh, than this one. I don't see it right here off. The, it wasn't Predestination, was it? No, Predestination is one that I would highly recommend that we, we look at some point in the future <laughs> because it is it is totally, totally awesome. And will it will melt your mind is what that movie <laughs> will do. Um. I'm trying to I'm trying to find it, but it's it's one that I don't think did as good and probably is, like I said, a good example of why a bigger budget would have hurt this film mm -hmm. more than help it. Um, if you're wanting to watch Time Ops, I know it's on iTunes and Amazon, but it's also up on Netflix right now, which oh, is good. where I watch it. Mm -hmm. So if you have that subscription, uh, go ahead and, and give us a shout. When I was looking for it on Netflix, I'm always surprised with this. And this was the same point with Invitation as well. The user ratings were very low, again, for time-lapse. I think it was like mm -hmm. two and a half stars. Mm -hmm. But 
um, you know, major film publications. I think I had like uh, in mid seventies on Rotten Tomato and people like Variety, Hollywood Reporter, like LA Times or something gave it all uh, really decent, good reviews. Right. W- what do you think? Is it just the confusion factor or what do you think it is about time lapse that would turn some audiences uh, off? I mean, it, according it, it to user that, reviews, almost half. It has that slow burn Yeah, is, is the big thing. Uh, and I think that frustrates a lot of people. Uh, and then the reveal is kind of confusing because we're, we're, it's not explained why the machine was set to take it only 12 hours apart if it was able to take two weeks apart. So this idea right. that's a little bit confusing, especially at the end, is this picture we're taking now actually is happening in the past. And I think that's the part that, that oftentimes with think PC type movies, mm-hmm. audiences rate it fairly lower because it's asking the audience to think and to reach out and, and do something different. And I think that frustrates audiences if it becomes too complex of a story. And so I think that that's probably one of the reasons why this one was maybe not as well received. Yeah. And, and, to, and, and like I said, the first time I watched this, I thought, okay, this is a fair to Midland uh, movie. It's nothing mm-hmm. great. But when I watch it again, I really liked it a lot more the second time than I did the first time. Yeah, I can definitely get that confusion factor um, kind of messing with your mind. If I think about really big popular um, films that do a lot of wonky stuff with Mm -hmm. time or just weird concepts, like Inception was pretty high level essentially, but it was like explained throughout the entire film, like constantly explaining what is happening and so mm-hmm. um there's not really any confusion until you get down into really wonkiness mm-hmm. but i think of like primer which is a weird time travel film that movie is just bonkers crazy and right. they don't explain anything you just kind of have to work it out for yourself and i could definitely see how if you don't like that if you don't just like what in the freaking world is happening mm-hmm. in this movie and you don't want to just sit down and like watch it like five times to try to figure out then i could definitely see how something like that could turn you off from a film yeah i'm trying to find i mean i'm trying to find these other other movies the problem is I can't find time lapse up on the iTunes store at the moment. Oh, um, seriously? Yeah, it's it's weird. Two it's, words? Yeah, two words. Um, it was up there just the other day, but I what don't see world? it there. Sometimes they take stuff off, and I have noticed this, that sometimes they, they take things out of rotation on iTunes for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, let's see if I do it by. Nope, can't find, find it there either. That's weird. Huh. Um, sometimes things just fall off off the list and they'll come back eventually. But you know, if you purchased it and then you download it, of course, it's then it's, then it's yeah. yours uh, forever. Um, but um, definitely predestination is one that I think we should look at if we were looking at just a time, time travel type <laughs> run. Um, because I think that that would really be fascinating as well. Uh, let's see if we can find it. Uh, just real quick note about time lapse. We mentioned that an entire character got cut out mm-hmm. earlier. Um, the person who edited this film, I think, won an Oscar. Oh, really? It was a man by the name, oh, I scribbled, Tom Cross, okay. who was the editor for Whiplash. Mm, okay. And so um, he also edited his time lapse and he talked. It was really interesting. The director was like, you know, he had a great sense of editing to like a beat and a rhythm. Like, oh, you think he edited time lapse? I'm mm-hmm. I mean, not time lapse, Whiplash. Mm-hmm. I'm just about uh, drums and stuff. So, yeah. um, it's really interesting. You, you see, it's kind of weird when you um, see a name like that. Like, oh, he edited this Oscar-winning film. Oh, like, yeah. oh, but he was also he did this really super small indie time movie. Uh, it's always fun to see. And I think it happens probably more with like editors well, and kind uh, of stuff like that. And if you've and if you've watched films long enough, 
you're eventually going to see someone's career. I mean, it's yeah. amazing that when you look at uh, Paul uh, Feige, Feige, yeah. how do you say his name, Feige? Feige? I mean, if you go back and look, he was doing Freaks and Geeks way back, yeah. way back a long time ago as a, <laughs> as a showrunner on that, as yeah. one of the producers on that show. And it's like, holy crap, the same guy that was doing that is now in charge of all of this uh, – uh, of this uh, wackadoo stuff with Ghostbusters and yeah. other properties. It's really kind of cool to see these people over time do that. So, yeah, it's not uncommon for someone to go from something like Time Lapse, which is a small budget film, mm-hmm. to Whiplash, which I, I would say Whiplash is even a, a smaller, well, it, smaller yeah, budget film. Yeah, I mean, film. it started out as a super, they, what they make, they made like a 10 minute cut of it, oh, essentially. Yeah, yeah. They did mm-hmm. one scene mm-hmm. to show the proof of concept and mm-hmm. then played it in some festivals so it could get the full budget for funding, which all came back to kind of bite it weirdly in the butt because yeah, it yeah, didn't yeah. get like original script. That was so weird. Right, right. Yeah, but yeah, De- Whiplash was definitely not this huge mega movie. So you definitely mm-hmm. can kind of put them similar categories probably with budgets. Yeah. Well, I can't find this other time travel movie, darn it. So that kind of upsets me, but I've got them all in my uh, queue somewhere that I will uh, pop up and share with people if you ask or if you want to want me to search for it a little harder because it is interesting to see. And again, I think this kind of falls right in the middle uh, something like Looper is definitely better than this. Have you seen a movie called Time Crimes? Yes. Have you? Because that yes. was mentioned in his influence as well, and I've seen it just bouncing it, around the, the internet The problem before. is Time Crimes is a fantastic movie. It's a foreign film. Oh, uh, okay. And so it's um, uh, Time Crimes, you will see it listed, is uh, Los uh, uh, Chrono Crimes. Crimenes. Okay. Uh, it's a, a Spanish film, I want to say. Oh, okay. Uh, it is fantastic because... I always see people talking about it, but I've never actually said I, I watched it. I do not think... I don't think it's even available on iTunes. Um, let me see if it is. But it is. If you can see it, it's fantastic. And, and basic plot is this man one day in his home, new home is sitting outside and he's got a spy glasses with him as binoculars and he sees something weird and he goes and investigates and he winds up inside of a time machine and he gets caught in this weird loop, but it is definitely worth checking out. If you can find it, it's not showing up on iTunes right now. Uh, it might be showing up on Hulu or uh, Netflix, but uh, time crimes is fantastic. Uh, all right. I definitely have to look it up because I remember I've seen it so many different places and just like referenced offhandedly that when uh, Bradley King, he talked about it so much. Yeah, see, I'd recognize that poster in mm-hmm. an instant, but I've never really even talked to anyone who's seen it. Or... Oh, I can't. I See, the problem with time travel Probably movies. Netflix. The problem with time travel movies if, is if you give too much away. Yeah. Yeah, Time Crimes is available to stream on uh, Netflix right now. Or no, um, it's unavailable to stream. You can get it on DVD oh, from Netflix. Okay. Uh, but Time Lapse, as you said, is is there on yep. on the Netflix. Um, but yeah, it, I would definitely track it down if you can. Uh, and uh, the only reason I got it is because somebody had posted it illegally. Oh, no. And I may have gotten it that way. But otherwise, without it, no one would see this film. Yeah. I think that's the only reason why so many people know about it is because it's been pirated so much. But it is an excellent time travel film. I think I need to go through my iTunes movie collection. And just, I, I think I can tag these things with time travel, with stuff. time travel. So yeah. I can just have my own category of time travel films because I've got, and the problem is these time travel films are 
scattered through action adventure or horror or thriller mm-hmm. or sci-fi or short or Western or unknown. I'm just going to go through and see if I can tag these things as time travel related stuff, because I bet just in my iTunes collection, there's probably 45 <laughs> to 50 movies that are in here for people to check out. And they're all fantastic. Um, you know, you know, what really bothered me was Jasper's makeup. Like when oh, he, yeah, when yeah. he, when he, he, he progressively really gets like crazy. really cranked yeah. out and he's mm-hmm. taking these weird pills. I never, mm-hmm. never know quite why he's just like dishing pills out of the Cali all the time and yeah. they take them. Um, he go, he like, he gets really like these sunken eyes. You can tell he's not mm-hmm. really sleeping. He's coming freaking out, but he looks just awful. Like awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he does not look great. Not even like to the point of tired. It's like, I, I don't know. It's like you joined uh, like a weird band. And then you're on the side, and uh, it was just like not the best makeup, and that like really kept on freaking me out for yeah, some yeah. reason. No, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, so there, was so it something there you, you didn't like besides Jasper's? Oh, makeup? like I said, the first time you watch this, it's really a slow burn. Yeah. And it really becomes boring, and then some of the deaths, some of the killings, just make no sense. I mean, I understand killing the bookie and the thug, but then when the friend shows up. And yeah. she's trying to explain things, and he's like, oh, you don't know how the machine works? And Jasper just shoots her down. It's like, what the heck was that about? Yeah. There's no reason to do that. And But it's done, and um, and there you go. But I, that was the one thing that I was like, that is – the body count just seemed weird for this movie. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the one thing I didn't like. But I think if you watch it a second time, I think it makes a little bit more sense because you kind of know what's going on. Yeah. And you start seeing some of these things drop down, so you have a, a little bit better experience with it. Um, but still, I think it's it's just an overall good average film. It's mm-hmm. it's above seventy five percent in my opinion. It's seventy five oh, eighty yeah, percent so. as far as a rating goes, and it's totally worth checking out. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think I agree. Um, I think it's definitely worth checking out. Well, but it, this is a weird thing is like I don't watch time travel movies as much as you do, mm-hmm. but every time I watch one, it's just this weird infatuation with it. And do we just have that in general? We talked about you go all the way back to the Greeks and stuff. It's this, always right. this thing of like, what are we doing? Are we actually making decisions? Is it just going up? You know, and then you even jump into physics where you're looking at supersymmetry and, you know, mm-hmm. alternate universes. And it's always this constant thing we're talking about. Um, what is it? And why does it always just seem no, to I work so well in film? I think it really literally boils down to we want to be able to control our own destiny and the ability to go back and erase past mistakes. Yeah. Or go and predict the future mm. or or see the future and use the future to our advantage has always been a wish or a desire. And so that's why I think these films work. And for me, especially, it is this notion of predestination versus free will that mm. I think all is always fascinating. Yeah. And what happens if you do deviate from that? Uh, It's just, uh, I think that's what does it for me. But I think that's the main reason for a lot of people why time travel movies are so fun. The problem is so many times time travel movies can get screwed up. It's too easy to screw up time travel because if you don't have all your ducks in a row. And with this film, they actually had one of the rooms in the uh, complex just was their storyboard room and all along the wall was the storyboards and they have, okay, here's when this picture is taken. Here's when they find Mm -hmm. it. And they had all these strings and everything drawn out to connect everything. It's very complex. And, um, if you are not that focused in how things work, like in primer, Mm -hmm. your story is going to fall apart because it's quickly going to develop plot holes. And even back to the future has a lot of plot holes and those plot holes become more compounded and become ridiculous by the time you hit uh, the second and third movies. Yeah. So the first one does a very good job, but the second, second and third um, really start to fall apart as well, far as that. So yeah. time travel can be really, really 
confusing if well, you're not paying attention. And this this type of film that people tend to essentially obsess over, mm-hmm. where you just watch it so many times, like, well, that doesn't make any sense, um, or they got that wrong, and so and then you get weird fan theories right. about everything. Right. And I remember King said that it was really hard for them to keep everything straight once they started putting all those Cali photos back in the end because mm-hmm. they had to keep uh, paintings with wardrobes yeah. and like it's weird different timelines now and you got to yep. like sort everything out. I'm like that would just be a yeah. freaking headache trying to plan oh, out. It, it totally would. <laughs> I mean, it totally would. Be. And, and, and there's a, in the behind the scenes stuff, it shows them going, okay, what costume is she supposed to be wearing here? And they're like, okay, let's go consult the storyboard room because that's where they could go in and say, okay, this is Tuesday one, this is Tuesday two. Yeah. Meaning the morning and night shots. Here's oh, what yeah. she needs to be wearing. Here's what will be wearing. And they spent, I think, a day or two just shooting all of those photographs uh, so that they knew what was coming up. Smart. Even stuff that, you know, was coming up later in the movie. It wasn't like actually taken from the film. Mm-hmm. It's like we had to shoot those things at some point in the movie so that we could then insert them in the uh, in the picture later. Yeah. Did this whole film take place within two weeks? Or was it like a week? Eh, about a week, two weeks. Yeah. Uh, be- it had to have been two weeks because it took two weeks for the um, mail to get the, to that yeah, friend and then for her to, to get there. So it, it takes place over the course of two weeks. Yeah. Because it seems fast. Cause I got, mm-hmm. You know, I think I think back to like some time travel movies or you would get like a weird, essentially a time lapse of them using it for a yeah, long yeah. time and then things go bad really and, fast. And we but see some of that fast. Yeah. And I think that's just for the matter of time to yeah, keep sure. it up because there's probably a lot of, you know, probably for the first week or the first couple of days, it's all... Um, you know, him posting up the scores, him betting, him winning, and then winning a lot from his mm-hmm. bookie, which causes his bookie to get really weird about right. it. Right. So that had to have been going on for about a week. Yeah. And um and then, the and then, then things got yeah, things bad, just bad. got really out of control. So there you go. Yeah, I really enjoyed this film. Good. And uh I was surprised Aubrey enjoyed it as much as well. So now Good. I have to subject her to looper and apparently time crimes now <laughs> time crimes is really weird and it's subtitled so if she doesn't like subtitled oh, movies God, nope, she's out then uh, she'll be out of it but um, i find it fascinating especially how it's kind of a comedy but it's like a a weird tragic comedy mm-hmm. because things keep happening to this guy again and again that just makes his life more and more miserable <laughs> each time that he's doing it all right and it's it's at the end it gets very frightening and, and creepy, mm. uh, but I find it fascinating. It's probably the first. I mean, I've always kind of enjoyed time travel movies, but when I saw Time Crimes, it was the one that made me really think that oh, you can make a smart time travel movie without mm. resorting to it being a comedy like we see in Back to the Future or um, Hollywood High or whatever that uh, that they have out there. Yeah, um, and Hollywood High is not a time travel movie, but uh, things like that. So, um, yeah, there's lots of there's lots of good stuff to be found. Well, that's awesome. Uh, so you guys can go check that out on Netflix or I think Amazon and mm-hmm. apparently not iTunes. Not though. iTunes right now. No, which is a which is a shame. It's a big bummer. Yeah. Uh, next week, though, Stephen. Yes. It's a it's a big movie release. It's head, time to head to the theaters. Yes. Let's go to our awful theater and see. Civil War. Civil War. Captain, Captain America. America. Civil War. Civil Cannot War. Wait to see that. Uh, Spider-Man 4. Is Thor in this? I haven't. No, I don't is think he not, Thor's he's in, not this. in it. No, he's I just not thought, in this. I neither said is, that, but I don't, I've never Hulk. seen him. Hulk is not in this either. Yeah, they never put Hulk in. It's lame. But Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Um, what we got? Uh, Vision. I forget whole, who's whole, like a whole side. mess of people. Ant Man's yeah, yeah. in there. Yeah. Uh, Hawkeye, Black Widow. Everyone. The whole Everyone's gang's together. Yeah. And they're all very uh, angry at each other. <laughs> yes. And they're gonna fight it out. They're gonna fight it out. Pow, Biff, pow, zoom. So uh, next week we'll be heading. 
to our lovely AMC theater with hopefully no water damage. <laughs> and uh, watching Civil War, and once that's done, we'll be heading back over to the Major Spoilers HQ uh, to give you a lowdown. I'm, I'm going to guess probably uh, old Rob will... I think, a, Rob's, a, I think Rob's ready to go with it. Yeah. I, think, I don't know if Brian has to work or not. But, but well, yeah. you mean, if they're showing up, then you get to enjoy their dulcet tones exactly. coming into your ear holes exactly. next week. Uh, but in the meantime, head over to Majorspoilers.com where you can find this podcast posting page. Uh, while you're there, click on the Amazon.com link. I wonder if you might be able to find a Time Crimes Blu-ray. I wonder if that's on like Criterion or something. Oh, that seems sure like it, it would be like a prime candidate. Um, for something over there, if it's on iTunes or Amazon or any other uh, time travel films you may enjoy, you can buy them using that link. It's not going to cost you any extra, but a little bit of that purchase money will not go to Amazon, but it will come back to Major Spoilers to help all the great content on that site keep running, as well as podcasts flowing out of your audio device and into your ears each and every week for you to enjoy. That's it for this week's episode of Zach on Film. We'll see you next week with Captain America Civil War. This podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.